Here's the, the sexy Mersbau hour. Sexy Mersbau is going to be, that's going to be my Halloween costume this year. <laughs> Signal yeah. process is produced by program change dedicated to inspiring and celebrating the independent music community. Welcome everybody to signal process presented by program change. I'm Daniel. My co-host Chandler is out this week, but he'll be back the next time around today. We're joined in conversation with a close member of the Program Change family, Sean Galloway, better known as Ave Grave. Sean has nearly two decades of experience in the music industry as a songwriter, vocalist, and a TV and film composer. He is notable for his work as co-lead vocalist of the band TV Heads, and for scoring the film Strange Negotiations, a documentary about musician David Bazan. Sean's solo work, released under the name Ave Grave, explores the quieter side of composition by crafting intimate recordings influenced by the musical languages of acoustic folk and ambient tape loops. He has recently released several straight-ahead ambient projects via the label Drift, an imprint of Inner Ocean Records. We caught up with Sean via video chat from his apartment in Berlin, his home since September of 2020. Sean spoke with us about his approach to composition and performance of ambient music, what it's been like for him live streaming every week for the past year, and the role close listening plays in his songwriting process. We hope you enjoy our talk with Sean. To begin, Sean dove right into giving us a tour of the set of pieces to craft his lush compositions. Well, my setup right now is I've got uh, a little Tascam uh, Porta Studio or Mini, Mini Studio Porta O2 Mark II, something, mm-hmm. whatever, a little tape player, four track um, that I can run tape loops on. And then on my right over here, I've got this Mini Log synth and then a bunch of hardware pedals um, to process everything for the, yeah, for the live streams. And it's just my like, uh, current ideal setup for making the kind of music that I'm making. Is that the same setup that you're using when you record like for your albums? Um, yeah. And no, I mean, it changes a little bit. Like I have this other larger task M four, two, four that I still have not found a European adapt uh, power adapter for because it's super specific, but I borrowed a friends to make this record that is should come out later this year um so yeah i also have over here to my left you can't see a cabinet of other stuff i can like kind of pull out and play with but yeah this is this is like the basic setup which i really for me at least right now is really in line with i don't know what what i'm trying to do or, or the way i'm thinking about music which is to not get like spiral into choice paralysis or like menu divey situations, but just to like have very familiar, familiar yet unfamiliar objects that I can manipulate with, I don't know, there's some chance to, especially with the heart, some of the pedals and stuff that I have, but it, I, I, there it's more, they're just kind of like voicing the stuff that's going on in my head quickly like i can make that happen rather than just kind of fucking around with a plugin for like or you know i don't know building a max patch for 20 years to like make 10 minute ambient track which is also super cool and sometimes i like that style too but for now this has been helpful yeah um i mean something i think is interesting is that 
it gives you the way to make a very like improvisational electronic music. And I think that electronic music is something that just kind of by its nature can be really overthought and, and really kind of overcooked because of, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is just because of the nature of digital technology. Like anytime that you have memory involved and you can go back and and fix your mistakes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good, that's a good point because I, I, thinking about this stuff recently, you know, like most of my life of playing music as an adult and as a kid, you know, I was a songwriter, like writing and singing songs in like indie rock bands and like singer songwriter kind of stuff. And I still really love that stuff and I'm going to make more of that stuff, but this has really allowed me, I I just got really tired of like my own voice and of melody and constructing melody and kind of, as you say, like, yeah, these kind of like overbaked things like producing stuff and got really interested in this kind of like, the moment of creation was always like the happiest for me. Like when the song just suddenly happens and it comes out or, or whatever that was like, everything after that is also joyful. But that for me, like that moment has always been like the thing that keeps me going, you know, that that's like the, the dopamine rush or whatever. And this is kind of like a pure expression of that because mm-hmm. it's all live. Like all the stuff that I'm making is, you know, I'll collect <laughs> field recordings and little bits of music or whatever, and put them on these tapes and then, have the pedals and just be <laughs> tweaking knobs. And really it's, it's more about just like listening to what I'm doing and reacting to that. And and that changes and kind of ebbs and flows, but it's all super immediate, which is like really gratifying for me right now. Yeah. You actually just helped me draw this really crazy connection, which is I, I realized that over the past year I've gravitated a lot towards music that feels less structured Mm. Um, or that like that feels structured in maybe a less traditional way or less kind of pop way. Um, like I've listened to a lot less stuff that's kind of just like verse, chorus, verse, whatever the genre is. Um, and I've been gravitated a lot more towards like jazz and like kind of, you know, freer forms of jazz. Um, a lot of the kind of like, you know, underground hip hop stuff that that's not, you know, that's just kind of like one long verse type shit. Yeah. Um, a lot more ambient electronic music. And even in the music I've been making personally, like I made a ton of ambient tracks last year and like, I never make ambient music. <laughs> what? I want to hear this. Um, yeah. I mean, they're not very good. One, like one of them's all right. Uh, but I made them. How can you tell it's ambient? I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's half the battle. It's just a story. Yeah. You're um, just going to make it, make something deep up about it. And then yeah, <laughs> these sounds represent, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> oh God. I just got ejected from the ambient community for that. <laughs> canceled. <laughs> ambient canceled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that looks like, but <laughs> probably not pretty. Go write a chorus. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I got to fuck off to chorus prison for like five years. I think that there's like, there's an interesting way of approaching uh, music making that I think has a lot of like, almost like roots in the approach to making ambient music, which is this idea of sort of like breaking down structure. Um, totally kind of throwing structure in the trash and then like, but it's interesting when you do that, you do find 
new, like our brains kind of want structure. So you uh, you find, or I find like new structures emerge that, but that's, what's so interesting. And that probably speaks to what you're saying is like, when you break down all those old structures completely and toss them in the trash and you start just like working in these strange ways, uh, that might feel kind of anti musical at first, um, you do find new structures and then you can kind of apply those and make new and interesting stuff and combine these, whatever these like new strange or off kilter structures with traditional stuff and, or whatever. And yeah, the outcomes are exciting to me. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. And as a listener, it's, it's relaxing and not just in the way of like it being, you know, relaxing music, sonically or whatever but it's Mm -hmm. a lack of structure can be relaxing even if the sounds are like noise you know even if the sounds are dissonant and you know not what you would traditionally consider to be distract or relaxing sonically it's relaxing because it's like there's not a a structure being forced on you yeah Um, right it kind of just gives your mind a second to like do what it wants that's so i mean you literally hit like exactly on what like academic readings of early ambient music say which is that it's like in japanese ambient it was described as environmental music which you have exactly the qualities that you just described i think we need that you know um i mean i I certainly need that i think there's also that that element of like the past year, I think has forced a lot of extra structure on the people, Dude, maybe yeah. a lot of extra like ritual that, um, you know, we didn't have before. didn't have to think about before. Super recently. I mean, maybe it's always been this way, but speaking of like breaking down structures even more, I guess I'm, I'm finding I'm even more interested, less interested in the musicality of the s- tools that I'm using, like the tape machines and the, I don't know, field recorders and the pedals and more interested in like the noise that the machines themselves make in producing sound or working and like kind of this, I don't know, mechanical or non-musical stuff. And then translating that into like a musical environment somehow, or, or maybe just my brain seeks again, like seeks structure. So they start sounding musical to me. I don't know. No, I love that. I mean, it brings up that question too, of like, where does music stop and start? People always bring up that, like, you know, it's that classic, like, does vinyl sound better debate? Um, and, and I think a big part of why a lot of people who aren't listening to vinyl on hi-fi systems think that it sounds better has to do with the fact that it's mechanical. Yeah. So like when you play 100%. a record, you hear, you know, you hear that little hiss, like that little noise floor, you hear the platter <laughs> spinning, like you hear things that remind you that, oh, this is something physical. Yeah. And it like allows, like it gives a physical space to the sound. Yeah. Yeah, because you're equating like with these, these, you know, it's like a hardbound book, like going to an, a library mm-hmm. or something, you know, you like, you feel the presence of it in, in a way, or your brain gets tricked into it or whatever. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Cause yeah, it's kind of like your brain gets tricked into, Oh, this is like an actual thing. Like this music that you're hearing is connected to like 
an actual physical object that can be yeah. that can be touched and like can engage other senses. It's just harder to draw that physical connection when you're listening to digital music. Not that I'm yeah. shitting on digital music. It's most of what I listen to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Same. No, I mean, and it, and it, I mean, digital music has, is super interesting again, like to me, some of just the mechanics and the noises produced by digital signal processing <laughs> are super beautiful and, and cool to me. Um, but yeah, just in general, digital music too, dude, CDs. Are you kidding me? Is yeah. there a higher like physical form for music to exist on? I don't know. Totally. And then there's, CDs there's coming back. What I like about CDs is that it's the best format for packaging in my opinion yeah because vinyl you get to have a really big like piece of artwork and that's great yeah. but it's hard to have like a big booklet with a vinyl record like it's just it's expensive is what i mean like if you yeah. want to print like Dude, the whole thing is a 40 insanely... page booklet like you could do that on a cd way cheaper than doing it for yeah. a vinyl record Dude, my first record with my old band, we made those booklets by hand at home and stuffed them <laughs> in the like recycled cardboard CD sleeve. And it was, yeah, it was great. But yeah, I mean, records, I, I, I love vinyl. I mean, I shipped all my vinyl here, which was crazy to do, but I just, you know, <laughs> I, it was like the one thing that I, I was like, I need these objects to, you know, like be like a touchstone or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, having, had records had albums put on vinyl so it's so expensive and time consuming and like it's crazy so you know cds it's like you can get like four hundred thousand cds printed for like eight bucks and yeah. <laughs> package them at home and and like sell them i'm know. curious like, like what your thoughts are. are on like the 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 power of the cassette um, cause I do that. That is one thing I like about cassettes is that they sound cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I obviously have this, like, I don't, not obsession, but I like them a lot. I'm sitting here staring at a stack of <laughs> yeah, yeah. looped cassettes in front of me. And I have another one down by my leg, another giant stack. Uh, they are, they're just weird. I don't know. Like I'm, my brother made me like older brother, like made me mix tapes, actual tapes, like when yeah. I was a little kid. And so they have that personally for me, like this kind of sense of like a touchstone of you, like my early childhood and like nostalgia, I guess. But more so than that, they're just like really interesting, strange objects, like, and the machines that play them and the interaction and the noise, the noise of I mean, this is like such an odd thing having gears <laughs> and physical <laughs> magnetic tape that totally. can erode over time or you can scratch off and it will make a different sound. And they're just a very interactive form of in, in a very unique way. I mean, and tape too, like tape is malleable. You can take it out, you can cut it and loop it. And depending on how you cut it, you get a new sound. Maybe, you know, you get a repetition that, is of strange timing, but is rhythmic with your, whatever you're doing, your ambient music or whatever uh, you can, you know, and if you kind of fuck up and you stretch the magnetic tape, you get different. Your sounds change. I don't know. It's just a weird, weird, weird little guys. 
I'm kind of curious how that plays into the composition process for you. Um, and, and, you know, I guess to add on to that question, like, do you adopt different approaches when you're doing a live performance versus when you're like thinking about recording something for a release? Hmm. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, the live performance aspect is just me being an absolute train wreck trying to figure out, remember how I made a certain track. I mean, luckily they're usually pretty simple. Most of my (laughs) ambient tracks are literally like, two tracks like four tracks i don't know you know because i'm doing all the mixing most of it on the tape machine and the processing is going through hardware pedals so it's all like whatever prints is like what what happens um so yeah the the live show is really just going like can i find that tape (laughs) (laughs) and like what pedals was i using i'm terrible i'm like the worst musician in the world i'm ultra lazy and don't write anything down like somebody I was, I was doing a music video or something a couple of years ago and the director's like, Hey, can you send me the lyrics? And I was like, uh, yeah, I just need to like listen back to the song and see if I can remember what they are. And it's like, you don't have like a book of these written down or like, <laughs> like of your shit. And I was like, no, I, yes, I should. You're right. I should. Um, so that's the difference. Yeah. So for actually making the stuff, it's, if I'm answering the question right, it's it looks like a lot of different stuff. I don't really have much of an approach to any of the music I make. I feel, in fact, every time that I finish a new track, a new song, whatever you want to call it, and it, the that like glow of like oh, it happened, like wears off after a few minutes. It, it's like I'm like I can't one of those like can't create new memories kind of thing. Like I have no idea how I made that track. I don't know if I'll ever be able to make another track, you know, I'll stare at a guitar and be like, who are you? What are you doing in my house? (laughs) A tape machine, you know, just every single time it's like, it's terrible. It's like the most unhealthy practice. I wish I was one of of those people. It's like, I get up at five and I write for 45 minutes and then I meditate, but that's not, I don't know in a weird way it it seems healthy um because it sounds like you know you use your gear your equipment and your techniques when they feel appropriate to you and you kind of and you know when to put them away or when to use different techniques when you're just not feeling it I think it's something that you know a lot of a lot of musicians I think a lot of artists in general feel a pressure to force it and sometimes forcing it sometimes forcing it's necessary for practice Sure. Other times forcing it can feel like something that stifles your creativity a little bit. Yeah, totally. I definitely fall on the side of, I won't say when like the muse moves me, but like, I know when I want to make music, like I feel it, you know, I could, because before I'm making music, I start thinking or hearing of the sounds. Like if it's, I'm writing like song songs, I'll hear the melodies in my head and, I just have to grab a tool quickly enough to like put that melody out into the world so that it exists outside of my brain forcing it. I just can't, I can't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Like I've over, and I always feel bad when somebody's like, Hey, do you want to jam? And if I'm not in that place, I'm just like, "Eh, I won't, I won't bring anything to the table. Like, 
uh, you know, I could stand there and hold a guitar and like whatever, play like a pentatonic scale or right, something, right. but I'm not <laughs> going to bring any real musicality to this moment, you know, if that makes sense. Not totally. I mean, it's, it's tough. Uh, it's tough to toe that line. Cause it's also like, you want to stay sharp. I'm curious, like if you adopt any kind of like practice around making ambient music, yeah, sort of. I'm kind of always doing it because what I'm really interested in now is, I don't know, composition through like intentional listening or something. If I could like pretend to be academic about it, but like, I'm always like when I'm out and about, like just <clears throat> thinking about the world or listening to the world in musical terms, you know, like uh, everything kind of becomes music. So uh, mm. I guess in a way, yeah, I'm maybe I don't not haven't thought about it like this until now, but I'm always thinking about it. I'm always have my little field recorder, and if I don't have that, I have my phone that has a recorder on it, and I'm the bizarre person that's like stopping in the middle of an intersection to like hold the little field recorder up for like thirty seconds or or whatever, you know, or I don't know, walking through the forest with headphones on and getting weird looks from hikers <laughs> and. uh yeah. So it's kind of always evolving, I guess, always happening. And then I collect these stuff, these things. And when the time comes, I start grabbing them and doing with stuff with putting on tape loops or processing them or whatever. So it, I don't know, it's kind of always happening, but always not happening. Same time. I mean, do you feel like that gives you an opportunity to almost be more present um, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you're going out and I think most people, when they go out and they're bored, they're whipping up their phone and looking at Twitter, um, and you're going out into the fields with, <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm tweeting while I have the headphones on in the forest. <laughs> that's, that's when my best shit yeah, comes to me. You're recording the sounds of the keyboard clicking as well. That's, that's I go out the to the forest and I check my email in the woods. <laughs> it's part of my process. Um, now I guess what I mean is that I feel like it's very rare for us to um, go out and really experience and listen to our environments. Mm. Um, I think that there's a temptation even arguably like, especially among musicians to want to feel every moment with music. Um, right. And, and sometimes it's, it's nice to force yourself to be in the present moment and just sort of experience the, you know, the quote unquote music of the present moment. Yeah, man, that's a really nice, you're on fire. This is why you have a podcast. <laughs> that was a really nice way to say that. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, I don't, I'm kind of the opposite. I don't fill every moment with music. I find myself a lot of time if I'm like working on the computer or just whatever, realizing I've gone hours without, making any noise or listening to any music or anything. I'm just kind of sitting in not silence, but you know, just with the sounds of the room or whatever. I don't know what that, if that says anything, maybe I need to go to therapy or something, but <laughs> I, I can't, I, I remember, I don't know when I was a kid growing up music or at least the music I wanted to listen to. There goes my siren friends again. Um, 
was like a very uh it was few and far between so this when i heard music the music that really touched me it, it was you know i mean it was like a bomb going off or something like that that kind of experience this like visceral connection and experience with music is something that i want for myself always i don't always have it but like if at least for me if i was to like inject music music into every moment it might be harder for me to have those like super like i don't know what eureka moments or whatever just these like cathartic moments with really <laughs> special music or I don't know, but I, I don't know. It's all bullshit. I go back and forth. I sometimes listen to a shitload of music and sometimes I listen to my communist podcasts and don't listen to music for like <laughs> a month. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's interesting too, because for me, it's very difficult to not have any kind of audio playing in the background, like whether it's mm-hmm. a podcast or music um, like if I'm sitting in complete silence, it gives me anxiety. Um, and something that yeah. like, I, I have this like tendency to always want to fill the space with external audio. Um, and I'm trying to get better at, um, really sitting back and enjoying the sounds of my environment and just sort of accepting the sounds and listening to the sounds of my environment because it does, you know, I believe it does bring you back into the present moment. Um, yeah. it gives you that feeling kind of like what you said of like when you're a kid and you're just so blown away by the way your hand looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or when you're me as an adult on mushrooms and Joshua tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually they, uh, it's funny you mentioned that cause, uh, in, Albert Hoffman, the dude who synthesized LSD mm-hmm. in his book, he actually talks about like in the first, in the preface, he talks about, uh, that feeling like that exact feeling of like when you're a kid and you're so absorbed in the present moment that like that, that's all that occupies your mind. Like you're not thinking about anything yeah. else. Um, and he described that as the feeling that LSD gives you, <laughs> But also like he's like super into like meditation and like using it in sort of like therapeutic practice. So he's like, he's also like, you can get this, you know, not by taking drugs if you so choose. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I I don't know about like if you can feel high on acid while you're not high on acid, but maybe, (laughs) I don't know. I'm not doing what he's doing. (laughs) That would be interesting. Maybe terrifying. I, I think that, you know, those kinds of transcendent experiences can really happen, not just from like listening to your environment, but really just from like close listening in general. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Uh, yeah. And, and it totally, it's like, it really is a practice. Like once you start thinking about it enough or giving yourself space enough to like go out in the world and be on the train without headphones on and, you know, you stuff. It's really interesting. There's there's so much interesting, cool musicality to the sounds that are around us all the time. And yeah, I mean, I'm not like some crazed ascetic hermit that's just walking around, not listening to music all the time. Like I for sure don't want to hear other people's bullshit and put on headphones sometimes, (laughs) but like, but it's also, it's also cool. If you, if you, do it often enough, I guess, or from time to time. 
Yeah. And even just close listening to music can be a healthy thing. Uh, Cause I realize that there's also like, you know, in, in our society, when we're all moving in a million miles a second, um, it can be hard to find time to just like sit down and listen to music as its own activity. Um, and I find myself where like, I have to remind myself to like set aside time to just listen to something like, and and it's hard to not open up that browser tab or not like pick up something, but like really just like sitting down closing your eyes and listening close to music. It gives you a completely different experience with it. Um, it really does, man. There's an intimacy that you can have putting on a pair of headphones and listening to a record, listening to an album, listening to a song while while you're not doing, you know, like five other things is it, it's crazy that it's such a rare thing that I, for me too, like, but it's really rewarding. It's super rewarding. And it, again, I takes me back to, yeah, the feelings, the experiences of the music of when I was a kid, you know? Um, so one thing that I wanted to ask about is slow spaces mm-hmm. and I wanted to get your thoughts, your feelings on, what's been like live streaming during the pandemic and if it's something that you think you'll continue, um, moving forward into our next phase of existence. Right. Um, yeah. Slow spaces has been just like life saving in a lot of ways. It's been super rad way to connect with my friend, good friends in, ambient music that are kind of scattered all over the u.s so yeah we started well a bunch of them already they had done like physical tours in the past i think called slow spaces um and but we started doing the stream like man i don't know a year ago something like that i think it was like before last summer maybe it was in june i don't know whatever coming up on a year and just doing it weekly and it was like in the midst of the chaos of moving and going from LA to Northern California to Berlin. It's been super nice each week to sit down or most, most of the time each week I do miss them from time to time or we just miss them. And that's also been super nice is it's pretty loose. Like we, you know, we have set schedules, but we just, we text each other and go like, should we do this tomorrow? Are we all feeling to do like doing this right now? Or yeah. Um, super awesome way to, and and again, like that thing of like the immediacy of creation, um, just getting to sit, even though I am not with these, these people just making music together. You know, we use the like real time audio plugin streaming thing. And that's been really fun and just interesting to collaborate on ambient music in that way. Like you kind of, you think, I don't know, forces you to think about it more. You're stripping you cause every, you know, you're doing this sometimes with like, I don't know how many of this there are six or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven total sometimes. So yeah, you just want to like give a little part of an ambient track and like figure out where that, thing can kind of slide in and um 
yeah, it's been really, really cool and fun to get to play live music every week. And, and yeah, for me, I mean, after a, a, a whole adult life of touring and playing live shows, it's amazing to just sit in my room and get to play the live show and not have to like ask about drink tickets. I'm the bartender. I have the drink tickets. (laughs) (laughs) There's something kind of cool too, as a listener, you know, you go to an ambient show at a bar and you kind of have to stand around and awkwardly warm your beer in your hand. Mm -hmm. But like ambient music, you know, it's perfect for just lying down in your bed and like sprawling out and zoning out. And you can do that with a live stream, you know, you you can be kind of like in your exist in your own space, um, in a way that's (laughs) maybe not socially acceptable in public. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's like, like when we, when program change did that ambient show, no, it was, yeah, a year ago, over a year ago now, right? Over a year, twenty February twenty twenty. Yeah, holy shit! Um, <laughs> that was like such a perfect way. To, I mean, that wasn't just ambient music, but for me, like playing at that show was perfect. And I love those kind of shows that do kind of like non traditional venue spaces, not bars. Um, that that space was so cool and set up for that and kind of like what you're saying like you're not in a bar you're not in a situation where you're kind of like forcing a construct of two things that maybe don't fit together into the same space so you're just like standing there in a bar warming your beer and just you know appreciating (laughs) the ambient music or whatever that's happening um so yeah streaming i think fits into that nicely like uh, into that same maybe or similar vein as like the program change show or something like ambient church, like these spaces that suit that or allow a little more for these kind of long form listening sessions or whatever, you know, I love the idea of people just like lounging in sweats or pajamas or whatever, chilling and listening to the music from a performer perspective um do you think doing an ambient sort of an ambient jam session type performance over live streaming is easier in a way um because like it just in terms of like a routing setup or is it just like fundamentally different <laughs> like i don't have a sound guy being like yeah man if I put any sound to the monitors, it feeds back. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> uh, can you keep your volume at one dB? Um, <laughs> yeah, avoiding that kind of stuff. And like, I don't know, just live shows in general. I always really loved touring and playing live shows. I loved the moments when I was on stage playing or you know being in the van or whatever like the car with other people and that that experience those two parts are great almost everything around outside of that was like a little torturous like just having like ultra social anxiety that for some reason when i get up on the stage which is sociopathic completely that when i'm up there like i'm in control everything's fine 
but the second that it's like i'm not up there and then i have to like talk to people and like i don't know try to fucking wing merch at them and stuff like mm-hmm. it's just oh kind of torturous um not the talk not that the people are bad it's just me i'm bad i'm not bad at talking <laughs> sure, i'm bad sure. at existing in space especially uh, when you kind of feel like you have to you know like after you perform you kind of feel like you have to yeah and you're not always in that headspace like you just you know depending on what you were doing like you might not feel like you just going out and being like chatty you know yeah um so yeah not not doing that but still getting to sit and, and make music is really really awesome um and yeah for sure like having not having to pack up gear and reset it up and something always goes wrong a pedal always breaks or something here it's like i can just sit down and i'm have everything kind of like at my fingertips to to start yeah do you think do you think post pandemic you'll continue doing live streaming um or how do you kind of envision your approach to performing live once things start opening up sort of in your sector I don't really know, man. I, that's a great question. Yeah. I think for sure, like doing the slow spaces or what that with, with those guys in whatever form that takes, if it continues doing it this way weekly or whatever we want to do, I just, I really enjoy the company of those friends a lot. And I really love their music. I love, I mean, a lot of the fun is, you know, just listen, like sitting and listening, listening to what they're sending. Like mm-hmm. they make beautiful stuff and, and it's super fun, you know, because on the side, like we're doing, having like a, a discord, like video chat thing and just like talking about whatever. And maybe sometimes the music that we're making, but <laughs> also mostly not, you know, like it's, it's just such a lovely experience through and through that. I, I definitely want to keep doing it. That's and it's just, cool. now that I'm in Berlin and I mean, and they're, you know, they're from all over the U S too. So it's just a really nice way to stay connected and just kind of like hang out and have a beer together. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough to make music like knowing that it's just going to go out into the void. yeah for sure i mean that's god i still even though i just said all that bullshit about like i'm only doing the things that make me happy those those thoughts still cross my mind i mean it's been super awesome and healthy and great it's such a welcome change with the ambient music community it almost feels like when i decided to stop giving a shit about all those things i didn't want to do that were making me really unhappy with making music which is all the stuff that's not making music like all the stuff you just described when i stopped giving a shit about that and just started focusing on like making music and putting it out you know telling the people around me that like to listen to my stuff that i put something out and that's it then i don't know all of a sudden it just everything got easy then i started having labels hit me up and go hey do you want to do a record for us hey like this and that and you know not that i've like i don't know what i've achieved through that other than it's nice to have other people care about your music and tell you that but and put their own effort into putting it out in the world that's really nice yeah i mean having Um, a team even if it's just you know a label who's gonna say like hey yeah you know we're gonna 
you know, hand this to our press contacts or like, we're going to post about this and get all of our artists to post about this. Like even just having those little things, uh, it helps because it's without a team, no one hears your music. Like uh, that's one thing that I've realized as I've gotten older and I kind of, I wish I knew that when I was like in my early twenties, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, um, but it's one thing that I really like I've come to realize is like, you need to have that. Everything is kind of everything that you've heard has had more than just that artist behind it. Oh yeah. And it's always accompanied or a lot of times accompanied by like the press release being like, you know, this person, whatever went out into a cabin in a volcano <laughs> yeah <laughs> in iceland it's like maybe yeah maybe they did but like you know your record label heard about it yeah and <laughs> you wrote this press release and you know it's not like they just sang these songs to a tree and now i'm listening to them like there's there's a lot of work behind hearing getting music out there for sure you've been doing a lot of stuff with drift Mm -hmm. lately the sort of ambient well how would you describe what drift is yeah uh i I don't really know how label stuff it's inner ocean is the label and drift is kind of like the ambient wing i don't know if you'd call it like an imprint or sub label or something like that but yeah it's 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 run by inner ocean but the drift the drift uh title label whatever uh puts out the oh, the ambient stuff and they, man it's so nice they're just such nice kind people who truly care about music and make it just such a lovely experience it just feels like you know talking to, to buddies who like what i make and they want to put it out there and and it's really helped kind of foster a community they're really good at like yeah fostering a community it feels it, it's really nice you know i've been on a couple of compilations that they've put out in the past year or so with all these other uh musicians composers from all over the world and now it's tight like we're all from all over the place and now we're all like kind of internet friends you know and that's that, amazing. That's, yeah. that's such a, yeah, it's such a nice feeling to just be in this really supportive kind of communal environment where everybody's just stoked on everybody else's work. And, and Corey and Dan at inner ocean are doing this like really rad curation and kind of like bringing the family together or whatever, you know, They've made, yeah, just made a really rad community. It's been very, very nice. Yeah. They're awesome. Um, definitely like a big inspiration to me. Um, sort of the same, like seeing the community that they've crafted around, um, their label and, and their artists. I think it's really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Community, like the, the big three things in my life that have been super helpful in that way, like slow spaces is just such an odd, I mean, you know, we've, I'm those guys have all been friends for a long time and I'm kind of newer, but been really rad to just develop like tight friendships with those dudes, um, over the past, however long it's been. And then what you do with program change, you do an excellent job at creating a community and it's just so fun, man. It's such a great feeling, like the sense of community and support and like, 
I don't know. I, there is some things about being in a, an indie rock band in LA that were not ideal. <laughs> I mean, there are a ton of great bands and there are a ton of great venues and promoters and stuff there, but there, it could sometimes feel a little like, you know, people trying to climb over each other to get to like the next rung in the ladder. And mm-hmm. once you're at that next rung, you don't reach a hand back or, you know, mm-hmm. some, sometimes I'm not, I don't want to like talk shit or anything. I don't mean it that way. I get it. Like I understand why it feel might feel necessary to be like that. Um, or think in that way, but I hate to say it, but do you think part of it's just indie rock is a community where they feel like the potential for, fame or the potential for sort of big league quote unquote success is like closer to their grasp. Maybe I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and it's certainly like, I I would say what I just described is, is mostly not been my experience. Like I've also had amazing, uh, community relationships with other bands and labels and stuff around the U S um, but yeah, there is, there is an element of that that is not a very good feeling. <laughs> um, and so it's really nice to have the opposite of that with, with what you guys do, with slow spaces and with the Interocean crew. It's just been so nice to just be like, oh, these people are just interested in stuff. Yeah. I'm interested in stuff too. <laughs> and we can chat about that. And it's, yeah, it's, it's super healthy and nice. Signal Process is produced by Program Change dedicated to inspiring and celebrating the independent music community. That's all the time we have this week, folks. I want to thank my guest, Sean Galloway, a.k.a. Ave Grave. I want to thank my co-host, Chandler Tipton, who couldn't be with us this week. And above all, I want to thank you all for listening this far. If you want to help support us, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you go to listen to podcasts. Till next time, stay safe. And much love, y'all.